Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. We'll be reading this morning from John chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 12. Uh, and this is where, uh, interestingly in John, here's what I want you to think about as, as I read this. If over the past uh, couple weeks in John, we've seen Jesus be introduced to the world. We've seen what does it mean for heaven to come to earth, for the Lamb of God to come. And he's even picked up some followers, some disciples to come and see. In John chapter 2, we're going to get Jesus' first miracle. And as you listen to this, I want you to think about the fact that this was Jesus' first miracle. And this is what he chose to do for his first miracle. And I also want you to think about the fact that John, in all of the book of John, like 21 chapters, John only records seven miracles of Jesus. There's only seven. He calls them signs. He's done it very intentionally. He has a lot more teaching of Jesus, a lot more explanation than the other gospel writers, but he, has, he records seven miracles that Jesus did. And this was one of them. And you may, you may be wondering now, what, why, is, why is it so exciting that this is one of them? Well, you'll see when I read, oh, that's kind of surprising that this would be one of just seven miracles. Because Jesus is here, he's, he's going to rescue a party, is what Jesus is going to do in this miracle. So we want to reflect on why. What is so significant about this, that this would be the first, and it's even something that he would do? So John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And now you can follow it along. Uh, servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples. And they stayed there for a few days. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word even when it surprises us. We thank you for your word maybe especially when it surprises us. We pray now this morning as we spend the next few moments reflecting on your word, that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit. That this would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts. That it may change the way that we think, the way that we feel, and the way that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want you, not surprisingly perhaps, I want you to imagine a party. But not just any party. I want you to think of a specific party. The best party that you can remember. 
For some of you kids, that's probably going to be a birthday party. Maybe it was your birthday party, maybe it was another. For Suzanne, I think it might be an all-church dance party that may be up high on her list. For others, it, maybe, it was your, maybe it was a wedding, a wedding reception with all of your friends and food and drink and dancing. Now, when you think about good parties, of course, the people are a big part of it, but, but the food and drink matters. I mean, can you imagine if you were at a birthday party and you were really looking forward to cake and you went and there was no cake? Or you were at perhaps an adult party and you were looking forward to dancing and having a great time and there were no drinks and it just, it just is not the same. And you are now, so you go to a party like this party, this party with no desserts, this party with no drinks, this party is not so much fun anymore. It's just not the same. It's, this, party has, this party has kind of run dry. It's gotten sad. But what if you were on the other side and you were the host of the party and everybody has come to your party and they're looking for cake and they're looking for cookies and they're looking for food and they're looking for drink and you have nothing to give them. Now how do you feel? Now you feel not just a little bit sad at your party that has gone dry, but you feel shame. And you feel guilt. What have I done wrong? How have I failed? And imagine this is not just, this is not just a neighborhood cookout where we ran out of food, but go home and get some food. This is, this is a wedding feast. This is something people have traveled for miles around to. And this is where Jesus finds himself. That simple line in verse uh, three, when his mother says, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. This is, this is a crisis. The wedding is, a, is falling apart. The wedding has gone dry and the hosts are ashamed. And this is the situation, not just in a party, but this is the situation where we find ourselves so often in life. We find ourselves that, that our party, our, we, things were going well, but we have run dry. Life just does not carry the same joy that it once did. Things have become rote. They've become drudgery. We're doing the same things over and over. And sometimes it's worse than dry. We have failed. We have done wrong. We have failed to do the things we should do. We have hurt other people. We've been mean to people. And now we feel shame. And we feel guilt. And we just, we run out. We run dry. Do you find yourself this morning perhaps feeling a little run dry? Some things that have happened to you, some things that you have done wrong, and you find yourself a little run dry. But what we see here, the reason that John puts this miracle first, the reason that this is so important is that Jesus has come to bring life. This is the main thing about God here. This is what Jesus has shown. It says Jesus revealed his glory. He manifests his glory. That when heaven comes to earth, that Jesus brings abundant joy. He brings overflowing joy. So first we've got to see what Jesus has done for us. And then we've got to see three ways that we are going to respond to him. And so the first thing is that Jesus brings abundant joy. And we can miss here the impact of how abundant the joy that Jesus brought in, brought us. So we read, there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus fills these up with water, the water turns into wine. Now, but it's easy for just read those words and miss what's going on. See, we think, oh, 
I was looking for a drink and I didn't get any. I'm kind of thirsty. Maybe we might think, well, I would like a, a cup of water. So we've got, you've got a cup. It's like, oh, that's, that's nice. Jesus gave me a cup of water or maybe even better, a cup of, a cup of coffee. Well, that's nice. We've got a cup. Now, if you're an adult, they're talking about wine here. So for adults, you may think, well, actually, I'd like, I'd like a bottle of wine. So Jesus, you say, oh, Jesus, Jesus brought out another bottle of wine. But Jesus, Jesus didn't just bring out a, a bottle of wine. It said these hold, there are six jars, 20 or 30 gallons. If you do the math, we're talking about 120 to 180 gallons. Let's just say 150 gallons. Well, what's a, what's a gallon? Well, here's, here's a gallon jug. Now, that's just water. I thought about filling it up with wine, but that seemed a little, that seemed a little excessive. Now, Jesus made 150. So just imagine 150 gallon jugs of wine. Now, kids, that might not mean, if you can imagine 150 gallons, uh, adults can tell you that 150 gallons of wine, that's, that's going to do something. Yeah, um, that's, going to, that's going to make a party. But really, it's hard to even imagine 150 gallons. Like, that's a lot. Really, what we should be talking about here, six stone water jars for purifications, we're talking about bathtubs. I just couldn't bring a bathtub in to set it next to the other things. But Jesus made six bathtubs of wine. That's a lot of wine. Jesus did not just do a little rescue of this party, not just a little fixing of the shame, like, oh, here, here's a glass here and a glass there. Jesus brought abundant joy. What happens when the kingdom of God comes to earth? It's a party like you've never seen before. That's what's going on here. And we see that at the end as well. The, the master of the feast tasted the water, and he's like, he calls the bridegroom over. He's like, this, this is the good one. This is the best one. You didn't just bring out the bad stuff. Jesus made six bathtubs of the best wine. Now, as I'm saying that, you may be imagining, wow, six bathtubs, that's amazing. That's six bathtubs of wine. Some of you are thinking, that's kind of gross that we're talking about wine in a bathtub. But, but that's actually very right. What did Jesus make these wine in? He made the wine in six stone water jars that were for rites of purification. He literally made the wine in bathtubs. That was the point. And so when you, think, when you step back and think about why is this so important? Why did this get to be one of the seventh miracles that John recorded? Why did Jesus do this first? Yes, he's bringing the party. But look where he made the party. He made the party in the ritual jars. The place where the people went to try to be made clean. See, the problem for these people, the people at this wedding had two problems. One problem was that they were out of wine, and that was an immediate source of shame for their party. But their bigger problem was a spiritual problem. The wine of their religion had run dry. They were trying to follow the rules. They were trying to wash themselves in water jars, to wash away their sin, to wash away their shame, going back to the same rites, religious rituals over and over, but they couldn't do it. When you go to take a bath, does it make you clean? Well, it makes you clean from the dirt, but it doesn't make you clean from the sin. 
You could know if you're feeling bad and down one day, you go and take a warm bath and say, I feel a little better, but not, not ultimately. And so what Jesus says to them is he says, I'm going to take your dry rituals where you have been vainly trying to wash yourself to get right with God, but it has become dry and stale. And I'm going to fill your rituals with new life. So that your ritual of confessing your sin and asking for forgiveness is not just a ritual anymore, but it is filled with life, with abundant joy. This is what Jesus does when he comes to earth. When heaven comes to earth, he brings the party. So our rituals of religion become new life. Not just tired rituals that we're trying to do over and over again, vainly trying to make ourselves right with God, trying to cover our shame, trying to feel better. Jesus has not just given us a cup or a bottle or a gallon. He has filled us with new life. So as we come to wash ourselves, we come every Sunday now and worship and we go through our rituals. We sing, we pray, we listen, we confess. They're filled with the abundant life of Jesus. What's the main thing we need about God here? Heaven came to earth and brought us a party, a party of abundant joy and filled our rituals with new life. So what do we do then? What do we do? We must join the party. We've got to join this party, not stand off in the corner and say, I think I'm just going to keep washing with the water from the bathtub. But take the wine, take the dessert, take the abundant joy that Jesus offers. And we see here very quickly three ways that people responded to Jesus here in three people. We see first that Mary, the mother of Jesus, asked. She asked for what she wanted. The servants, the servants obeyed without question. And the disciples, the disciples believed. So first, Mary asked. This is the first response, and it's a great response. Mary asked for what she wanted, and it's great because Jesus initially kind of puts her off. She says, they have no wine. He's like, okay, what, really? Like, you know, I'm, you know, Mary knows that Jesus is the Son of God. She was told that by the angel. She knows that he never did anything wrong growing up. He's a little bit different from your average child, and he's an adult now, and he's been proclaimed the Lamb of God. She knows, Jesus, you, you can take care of this. And he's like, no, party, party tricks are not my thing. My hour has not yet come. And so she keeps asking, how? Great mother, to the servants, just do it. Do whatever he tells you. Mary didn't, Mary didn't take no. And, you know, it's hard to say. Like, anytime we see Jesus, anytime we see God in any way, like declining to do something and then doing something because people ask, brings us all kinds of questions. Like, did Jesus know all along? Well, probably. He knew this was how it was going to go. Like that, we got to assume that. That he was, he was, this was a setup here. But the setup is for the lesson for us. It is clear here. It is clear throughout Jesus' teaching. What does he want? He wants us to ask. He wants us to come to him in desperation. He wants us to come to him in need to ask for what we want, even if we might think, is it really worth asking Jesus to fix our party? Yes, yes. Jesus wants to give us abundant joy, and he wants us to ask for what we need. And so the question for each of us this morning is what are we asking for? What do we need from Jesus? Children, you all are usually better at this than adults. Children are usually more willing, usually more willing, just ask for what you want. Daddy, can I have this? Daddy, how about this? 
let's go out to eat today. Can we have dessert tonight? Sometimes your parents, even I, even Miss Suzanne, sometimes we may, we may say no. We may get frustrated even. But don't lose the desire to ask. Because God wants you to ask. Sorry, parents, if I just <laughs> cause problems. But do ask, do ask in prayer. Ask God for what you want. Say, God, I know I can't have everything, but, but I would really like this. I think this would be really good. And sometimes God will say no. Sometimes God will say something else is better for you. But sometimes Jesus makes bathtubs full of wine. And he brings new life when we ask for what we want. So for each of us, whether we're young or old, we're going to say, what, what do we want? What do we need to ask Jesus for? Mary asked. And then the servants. I love the servants in this story. Because the servants obey. So Jesus, Jesus goes with what Mary says. Mary says, do what the servants tell you. And Jesus says to the servants, all right, fill the jars with water. And here's, here's what I love. They didn't just fill the jars with water. We get a special note. And they filled them up to the brim. They took these jars. Why would you fill a jar up to the top? It's going to overflow as soon as you put something in it. But they filled them to the brim. All right, Jesus, we'll do it. Take some out and take it to the master of the banquet. Uh, okay. And I love that it says, when the master of the feast tasted the water, which makes me think that maybe as the servants took it to him, they may have been carrying water. And here's the servant taking water from the bathtub and taking it to the master of the feast. Why? Because Jesus said so. Because Jesus said so. How do we join the party? We obey. When Jesus says to do something, we obey. When we see something that's clear in the Bible, turn the other cheek, we obey. Pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Really? Yes. Yes, we obey. Husbands, love your wives and lay down your lives for them. Well, that seems like a lot. Yes. We obey. We sacrifice. We give up what we, we, give up what we want to serve those around us. When God puts something on our hearts that's an application of what the Bible says, but a specific application, go and take a meal to this person. I don't have time right now. I think God wants me to. We obey. Invite this person over. Invite this person over for a meal. Offer to pray for them. Invite them to church. But I don't want to do that. That's weird. But we obey. Because this is how we experience the life that Jesus offers us. He calls us to obedience and a life of faith. And we just we do it. And we obey. And then we get the culmination. What did the disciples do? The disciples believed in they saw this and they said, oh yeah, this is heaven come to earth. This is what we are looking for. Not just a cheap party trick of turning the water different colors, but real abundant life. And the disciples believed. What do we need to do to join the party? We need to believe in Jesus. What do we need to believe? What does it mean the disciples believe? They believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe that he is, in fact, God come down to earth. They believe that his wine is the best wine. That his wine is actually his blood. That the wine that Jesus made actually becomes the blood of his sacrifice for our sins. See, when Jesus, it, it's all, John, John knows what he's doing here. It is all loaded with the symbolism. Jesus has taken 
the religious, the dry religious rites in the purification in the water jars, and he has filled them with new wine, with new life and celebration. And that new life and celebration comes as we join the party, as we believe in him, as we believe that Jesus actually died for our sins. And what happens when we believe that that wine in these jars is the blood that Jesus shed for us? Then our sins are actually forgiven, and we experience new life. How do we get our shame and our guilt taken care of? How do we get our sins forgiven? We believe in Jesus. We are washed by him, not washed with dry ritual, but washed with his blood, the blood that forgives our sins, that actually makes sin go away. So when people have hurt us, we can forgive them. When we have hurt other people, we can be forgiven. And that makes all the difference. And then we can celebrate. Then we can join the party, not just with a cup of water or a cup of coffee or a bottle of wine or a gallon, but with tubs and tubs, bathtubs of wine overflowing for the joy of celebration in this life. For heaven has come to earth. And when heaven comes to earth, the party is back on. Let's celebrate together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for all that you have given us. We thank you that you've come to bring us new joy, to bring us new wine, to make the party go on in eternal celebration. We pray that you would show us what that means. Show us what it means to put our faith in you. Show us what it means that you revealed your glory. May we see your glory each and every day as we come into your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.